Welcome to the Create Equity Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Taylor. In our last episode, we heard from Kui Gwen about his work in live theater and scripted television and the great opportunities he finds working in both worlds. But what about those without the same access or opportunity? Our first episode in this series explored the challenge of media for populations of lower socioeconomic status. Research so they faced more barriers to both participating in their own creative endeavors and attending other types of live events. They're watching more TV in relation to the general population, but is there a way for television to positively impact their lives as well? Our guest in this podcast certainly thinks so. Rebecca Yenowin is executive director of New Lens, a Baltimore-based, youth-driven art and media organization that connects young people with social justice issues through media production. The young people involved in New Lens don't just lead behind the camera, but also make essential decisions for the organization, even electing the adults who staff the enterprise. I asked her why media was the organization's tool of choice for engaging young people. Yeah, I think that young people are often, young people of color um, in Baltimore, that often means black kids, um, are often um, bearing the brunt of the systems um, that are created to um, serve our society. So they um, are often getting the short end of the stick around education, um, housing, health, the justice system, they really are the ones that most um, receive the negative impacts. Where those systems fail, they are receiving the recipients of those failures, of our mistakes. Um, so their voice is uniquely, um, is, is really important um, when we talk about how we can make things better. Well, that explains the social justice part of your work as well. Can you talk a little bit about media? Why is media a particularly powerful tool to use? So media is really important, an important way to vision what could happen in the world. So if we don't see it, if we don't have some kind of experience of what things could be like, it's very hard to move in a different direction other than the one that we're in. So we tend to go towards what we know. Um, and video is one way to create a vision of what things could be like. And when you engage young people in the process of creating those visions, you're creating a pretty dynamic picture of what the world could be. So television is often criticized as a passive medium that encourages viewers to sit and receive. It sounds like what New Lens is doing is turning that assumption upside down. Yeah, we think it is essential for um, people who are consumers of media to also be makers of media. Um, What are going to be the barriers to people hearing your message? Um, What's the research that you need to do to flesh out your instincts and your vision and your experience about that? How do you understand all the perspectives um, related to that issue? Um, and then make something and then say your, say what you've got to say um, so that when you show your video, you have the chance of people really being moved um, by what you've said. So what age ranges do you work with? We have um, programs for high school young people, and then we have um, our core team of young adults who are our staff, and those are, those are all um, college-age young folks. How does New Lens help young people transition from consumers or perhaps passive recipients of media toward critical consumers and producers? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I was just teaching a class. Um, it was an eight-week session. Um, so was, that's a relatively short session for us. Usually we see young people over the course of a year or multiple years. Um, but it was interesting to very quickly take a group from beginning to end of making a video um, in that shortest time span. And so this group of young people that came in, um, it was clear to me that they had not seen social justice media, that whatever they were viewing um, was not allowing them to 
have a critical look at issues that they are experiencing in their lives. So the way we start any media class is we just watch lots of stuff. Um, so we were watching things that were made by other young people that talked about um, sexism, that talked about the education system, um, just a range of uh, uh, one was about knowing your rights um, in relation to police officers. And they left the class and they said, I'm so depressed. There's so many problems. Oh my goodness. Like they could not, um, they were totally deflated and depressed. Um, and of course that's not my intent. Um, but what was clear to me is that they had not, they had not had an experience of media helping them think critically about, about issues that they are actually experiencing in their lives. And they experienced the the challenges on a day-to-day basis, but they may not come up to the surface in ways that are useful. And so each piece of media that I showed them was a, you know, was a stab at analyzing each of these systems. So it was really, it was useful um, to see how they started to um, wake up to the issues a little bit more through watching these pieces of media. Um, and then, you know, we take them through this process of like, okay, you've seen all these pieces and now... Uh, and, you know, after de- totally depressing them, they're like, well, when are we going to talk about solutions? These are all these terrible videos about all the things that are wrong with our society. And I said, well, that's where you come in. You get to make something um, that puts out your vision. And so this group of young people created a piece about the education system and how they felt like there were all these players in the system and they all were pawns um, in the system and they were not thinking critically about what was actually happening to young people. And so they, you know, they staged this character who is a marionette um, and this is the central student. Um, character in the video and they showed this character in different pieces of the school system so by the end I think they they were really proud of what they made and they realized that they were the solution that they can make their own pieces that inspire people to think differently about these challenging problems so in what you were just talking about I heard a couple of layers so one is there's passive consumption which is I guess just receiving media without thinking about it. It sounds like part of your work is to build critical consumption. So the ability to not just receive, but be reflective or critical or slightly more observant. And then eventually, or maybe immediately, um, being a producer of media, which is somebody who can then use the tools to um, and their critical thinking to say something. Yes, that's absolutely what we do. Excellent. So when you find students coming in, um, do they have already a level of critical receiving or a, a critical attention for media? Or is this a new idea for them? Or how do they start to engage this idea of receiving or, or observing media in a critical way? I would say the majority of people that come to us have not engaged in that process before. But they certainly gain that experience pretty quickly. Um, there are some young people that come to us um, with some wisdom around what they're what they've been seeing. Um, but more often than not, I would say that people don't, um, even when they're really smart um, about issues. I just that's not a muscle that um, they've been exercising. Um, and I'm always a little surprised because there is so much media in our world that you know that we don't ask ourselves the questions if nobody is facilitating the conversation about what did you think about that and what did you think about how that was portrayed and what um, you know i think we have you know because we have so much access to to creating media ourselves now so through cell phones and you know being able to have um things broadcasted um that are horrific in the world um i would imagine that people have more of a critical eye um, I'm not sure, you know, I think that, no, I really don't think that they are engaging as critically as I would, as I would have expected. Yeah. And do you, I, I, do you have a theory or an idea about why that might be? In some cases, it may be nobody asked them to, or it never became one of the things they were, yeah. they knew they could do. 
Well, I, there's a there was a group of fifth graders that I taught a couple years ago now, and I remember um, there was one of the harder groups that I've ever taught, and I remember asking them. The first, you know, place we always start when we're making videos are, is, you know, what's an issue that you care about? What's something that you would like to make a video about? And this group could not think of a single thing that bothered them in the world, that interested them in the world, that, you know, so I started asking, like, what are you watching? What are you? And the best thing that they could come up with for what they wanted to make was something like Girls Gone Wild. And I had never seen Girls Gone Wild. I, I promptly went home and looked it up and was horrified. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> The idea that, you know, I, I sort of, you know, created the space for we're going to be doing something that's about making your community or your your school community or your community better in some way, that we're making a piece of positive media. Um, and they just had nothing, they had no zero frame of reference for that. Um, so there's that, that I think that what is available is is not, um, if you're not digging, what, what is available is not that uh, inspiring. Um and thought provoking. And then I think there's, you know, in schools, I think that it was clear to me that they'd never been asked to come up with their own before. And so part of why that activity was hard was it wasn't just that they didn't have an example of, of, you know, socially conscious media, but it was that they'd never been asked to come up with their own ideas for what they would want to say about the world. And that's deeply troubling to me. Um, and this was in a school that I had some respect for, um, it was a younger group. It was fifth graders. But by that time, I would have assumed that somebody would be asking them what they think about anything. You know, what's happening in the world, something in the newspaper, um, something that happened in the community, something in the school. Like, what do you think about what's going on in your world? Um, and it seemed to me that their education was really just completely structured around um, learning what other people thought was important for them to learn and not analyzing the world around them. So I think media provides an opportunity for us to analyze the world around us. Teaching media in schools provides that opportunity. And we're just not doing it, at least in Baltimore and public schools. There are other sure. places where sure it's happening, but it's, it, this is not happening in Baltimore City public schools. Well, it seems particularly striking in Baltimore where there's plenty in the world around them to be concerned about. Yes. So, And I also imagine that media is part of the world around them, particularly the, the formal commercial media, which is... Uh, generating and uh, leading the conversation. So um feels like there's a lot of forces that would lead younger people to not know they have a voice or permission. Um, and so it must be really interesting to see them discover that they have one, and not only that, they have skills to bring to bear. Yeah, I think it's really transformative. Um, you know, I think that the group that I was referencing, the fifth graders, they ended up creating a piece about... Um, influences who influences you in your life and it turns out that they felt really most influenced by bullies in their school um and that's you know you could almost see what that part of part of bullying is like you don't you're not honoring your own voice and your own difference um when you're getting bullied you're you're getting picked on for being yourself for being different and being a creative being making your own media is the antithesis of that you know what it's saying like i my voice is important. Who I am is important. Um, so I guess as a final question, we didn't talk much about, but um, what drew you to this work and what keeps you connected to it? Um, that's a good question. I um, So my identity as an ally started when I was pretty young. Um, I grew up with a dad who was gay, and I think I identified as an ally as a very tiny person. Um, I was very proud of him and very aware that he of the struggles that he faced in his life as a gay person. Um, and, you know, my, my teenage years were through the um, 
when lots of folks were dying of AIDS. And so the, you know, just felt like an ally in, in, um, in that struggle as well. Um, and then I guess, you know, when I moved to Baltimore, I'd always, in high school, was also very interested in race. I went to a predominantly white school, private school, lived in a very white area in upstate New York, though I was from Manhattan, which was obviously much more diverse. Um, I, I just, you know, felt like it was, it didn't make sense not to take ally work on. Um, and moving to Baltimore, where the it's 60% black, um, it just made sense to me that I should live in a community where I can be an asset and a resource and not just use my privilege to do what I'm capable of doing, which is, you know, going off and living amongst other white people and having a safe little community for my family. Um, but, you know, really thinking about it every step of the way, I'm a white person in the society. I was born with lots of privilege. What do I want to do with that privilege? How do I want to live um, in ways that, you know, have integrity um, where I can be of use of service. And, you know, part of my decision to step down as director is that it, it does feel like it's time for white people to not be in black people's stuff um, in quite the same way. And um, it's, yeah, it's just important as a white person to not be leading black people, but to be even more deeply an ally and assistant and a support, however I can be. Rebecca and New Lens seek to help young people transform from passive recipients of media into active, critical authors. Some of that work is done in the classroom conversation, where they watch and critique a wide range of videos, most not from the mainstream. But Rebecca notices the transformation most when the young people begin making work, when their internal vision starts becoming something they can see and share. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really exciting to see... Um, something that was in your head become something that other people can have an experience of. Um, and so usually around the, f the phase of projects when we start shooting um, and they start to see that what they've been planning for, whether it's months or days, um, starts to come to fruition, there's a really empowering experience that starts to happen um, and I think there is just this, you know, it's not even like a, a process that I can totally break down how it works. Um, but I, but it is visible, <laughs> um, that people start to get excited, um, and start to feel really proud of what they've made of themselves. Um, and then when you screen something that young people have made, then that's the, you know, that's the real icing on the cake. It's like, wow. And, and I was able to impact somebody else and they got something from what I was thinking about and what I cared about and heard my message. And um, I'm curious whether you see or witness um, that the young participants in your program actually start, there's a long-term change in the way they consume or interact with media. Oh yeah. I mean, once young people have been with us for a while, I feel like they're, um, their analysis um, is forever changed. Um, you know, they take that ability to, ability to analyze with them wherever they go. Um, so, you know, some of our, our alumni are some of the most brilliant um, young people in Baltimore. You know, obviously I'm not objective about them, but I'm watching them out in the world um, do some pretty powerful things. That's really cool. And I'm also hearing in, in all your process, it says in your, in, well, in your statement online, you're youth driven. And that's pretty clear in the way you're fostering these media um, works. But it also seems to be the way you run your organization. Can you talk a little bit about how, uh, how you are staffed or how you are, how your organization works from the inside? Yeah. So, um, 
we have a team of about uh, eight young people who are our core young adult staff. And they are the operations managers and the producers and the instructors and the advocacy leaders. Um, so those um, different components are, those are different components. Um, and they are, so the production team, they are in charge of making videos for clients. And those clients are all nonprofits that are in, engaged in different social justice um, campaigns, or we make promotional videos for them, or what, you know, we help them get their vision out there. Um, and our advocacy leaders take the media that we've created, like in the Black Economics series that I've referenced before, um, where we take our own media. So the advocacy leaders take our own media, and they use it to facilitate change in larger audiences. So they'll host screenings, they'll lead workshops, you know, host big premieres. When we finish a project, we're just about to gear up for a big premiere soon. Um, so the youth employment work that we did really led us to be involved in some coalitions in the city where we were um, talking to philanthropists about, you know, Annie Casey, one of our, our biggest funders, both locally and nationally, about models of youth employment. Like, have you considered entrepreneurship? Have you considered training programs that are these youth-led models? Um, and we really got their ear and we got, you know, we got that model embedded in one of their um, policy reports, which is a national, you know, nationally distributed thing and influences the way that people give money. Um, so, and that kind of work continues. Uh, we've continued to be on committees with the Casey Foundation, guiding the way that youth employment dollars are getting thought about. Um, so anyway, that's a sense of like making a, yeah, making a video is our starting place, but our ending place is much bigger. And I noticed, I loved on your website that you have uh, youth leaders and adult leaders, and there's two of you on the adult leader list, yeah. at least online. Yeah. Um, and I understand from an article that the, the youth leaders actually get to decide who the adult leaders are. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So we have an election process where um, all, all leaders are elected um, by anyone who's a current leader. Um, so we do performance reviews on everybody. Um, everyone evaluates everyone. And um, then we elect based on those performance reviews and based on our budget and yeah, based on what we need. And, you know, the, the goal is that I am worked out of a job. Um, and the, you know, the, I am actually going to be stepping away some and become more of an advisor at this point, because it is, it is time for me to not be uh, the director of a youth-led organization. So we can, so hopefully we'll be able to move from the youth-driven title to the youth-led title um, so that uh, young people are fully, fully leading the organization. New Lens connects its young participants not only with new ways to see and share the world around them, but also with new media and management skills that help them in the workforce. Rebecca believes that while mainstream television is often a numbing force in their lives, Making television brings them new abilities and new awareness. The the idea that um, what you see um, creates pathways for what you can do, I think, is really important. And there's some you know social science research that backs that idea up. Um, so you know some of what I started to do in um, you know, the last ten years or so is starting to do some research on why this. This model of making things makes a difference. Um, and, oh, neat! Yeah, so you know, I think about like Bandura. He's um, you know very well read, uh, well respected social scientist. Um, he talks about 
how um and people probably remember like the bobo doll experiment where you had like kids hitting a bobo doll uh, adults hitting a bobo doll which kids then watched and then when they experienced the bobo doll they started hitting the bobo doll like i think when we talk about you know does media have an impact do this, do this does violent film do violent films have an impact on young people yes of course they do like everything we watch has an impact on what we see as possible in the world and so i think it's just essential that we create things that um show beauty that show solutions that show strategies that show people doing things that they're most capable of doing that improve our world and i think you know if you're looking at like bandura where he ended up in his work is he he started working with a health agency i think it was in brazil um and he helped them to create these soap operas that modeled healthy um healthy behaviors that they were trying to shift um, in that, in their communities there. Um, so even this like social sciencey guy that was not an artist, like he arrived that, oh, you have to make media. If you want to change the way people think about things, you have to show them that it's possible. And the best way to do that is to make media. I've been talking with Rebecca Yenowen, executive director of New Lens, as part of our three-episode exploration of television, personal public health, and the arts. What do you think are the key insights from these conversations? What's your perspective and experience? Keep the conversation going in the comments section and let us hear your voice. You've been listening to the Create Equity podcast, created in collaboration with Fractured Atlas. Thanks for tuning in.